This is an urgent appeal from the Disasters Emergency Committee. Hundreds of thousands of people have fled their homes to escape conflict in Ukraine, leaving jobs, belongings and loved ones behind. They need shelter, food and water. You can help. To donate online, search DEC or text RADIO to 70150 to give £10. Thank you. Streaming 24-7, this is Brum Radio. Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit BrumRadio.com. I'm Dave Massey. I am joined online by Ellen Pritchard, who is playing Mimi in Puccini's La Bohème, which is uh, part of Welsh National Opera's visit to Birmingham Hippodrome for the autumn of 2022. Uh, it's here from the 9th to the 11th of November. Good afternoon, Ellen. How are you doing? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for... We're on a video call today, so uh, thank you so much for taking the time today to come onto this video call. Um, where in the world can we? are you at the moment? I'm actually at home, which is a miracle. And Dave can see that I look absolutely knackered because I've just had a personal training session. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm in Newton La Willows, which is just outside of Warrington, just outside Where? of Manchester. And is that your area that you know very well? Uh, we only moved here two years ago. I'm from wow. North Wales originally. Yeah. So uh, I lived down south near London for 12 years and then relocated after the pandemic. Brilliant. I, and I don't think you look knackered. I think you look very well today. You might feel, do you feel knackered feel today? Knackered. <laughs> so, um, I, I, Welsh National Opera is bringing La Bohème, uh, to, I keep pronouncing it so many different ways now. How do you say the name of the production? It's La Bohème. La Bohème. Okay, brilliant. I'm, I'm going to try and remember to say it like that. Um, okay. When, uh, what was your first exposure to this production and how, did you know it before before you were playing in it? This production, well, I knew obviously knew the opera. Everybody knows La Bohème, especially as a music student. And so I think actually I went to watch La Bohème when I was 16 or 17, mm-hmm. Welsh National Opera, in Llandivno, which was amazing. Um, and then because I studied in Wales as well, I then saw two or three Labo M productions while I was doing my music training and singing training. Um, and I think it's one of those operas, which is it's a really easy watch. The music is phenomenal. Everybody's heard Pavarotti singing Cagelli da Manina or Mirella Freni, Renata Scotto, Callas singing the famous arias. Um, and so, you know, I was, I, I, I was so very much aware of La Bohème for years and years and years. But the weird thing was, having been singing for over 12 years, I'd never done the role. <laughs> And I thought I'd missed the boat, which is weird because I'd done Tosca, I'd done, Mm -hmm. you know, all the other big things, but never mean me. So um, it was quite a surprise when this one came along. Do you, and I don't know what what type of questions people will ask uh, opera singers, um, do do you have to know how to speak much Italian to be able to uh, sing in Italian? I've studied Italian for years. I can speak basic Italian, like quite mm-hmm. well. I can get through. If I go to Italy, I'll order food in Italian and I'll have a basic conversation. I should be fluent really by now, but it's taken me a very long time. Um, but actually, you, you've got to understand the language. You've got to know where the inflections are. You've got to know how to pronounce it. And in order to really understand what they're saying, you have to get right under the root of the language. And I think 
most of my roles are in Italian. So Italian is my strongest language. So, you know, I do have the Italian radio on a lot and I do, you know, read a lot of kind of, I can understand it much better than I realize because it's been part of me for the last 20 years now. Um, so yeah, you do, you do need a knowledge of it. How did you discover that you'd got uh, a, a, a singing voice that an opera uh, company would say, we're having you to come and join our company? <laughs> well, I was late, you know, I was, I'm one of four girls and my sister Arianne, the third one, because I'm the baby, she was the one that had the singing lessons. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the one that had the singing lessons. I kind of like mooched around the piano. I was really, really shy. And then it wasn't until I was 17, I asked my mum, please, can I have some singing lessons? And then I started at 17 years old with a man in Llandithno, Nigel Shaw. And he said, I'd really like to try classical music. And I was like, oh, I just want to do music theatre, you know. Um, Anyway, we started classical music. And two years later, I was accepted at the Welsh College of Music and Drama in Cardiff. And then I kind of, it was really weird. I never thought I would be an opera singer but then somehow it's just kind of happened and I love it. I love music. I love performing. I love emoting. I love studying text and it just kind of happened. And I, even now, like I kind of go, I don't understand how it's happened. You know, um, it's not that I set out to be an opera singer really. Do you think that um, uh, audiences are more well-behaved at opera than they are at other sorts of uh like ballet or um, even Shakespeare, they seem to be even more, uh, to me, when I'm seeing those sorts of things, they seem to be even more uh, inclined to sit for a moment when it's the interval, uh, applaud louder um, and and wait till certain moments and they seem to be um, absorbing opera more. Do you you find that's the case or have you been in situations where they haven't done that? Um, I I do think like I think with opera and ballet it is like I think people are more engrossed in a way Mm -hmm. although I had a really weird um, experience where I took my nephew and niece to go and watch Les Mis at the Liverpool Empire and I hadn't been to a musical since the pandemic Mm -hmm. and we went into this auditorium and the buzz the noise the sweet rappers the sweet rappers bothered me I have to be completely honest But seeing the young energy and seeing the enthusiasm and, you know, I haven't got a problem with people kind of talking, especially children during a show. I think it's really important for young people and children to be able to ask questions while the show is going on, especially with music theatre when it's mic'd because you can always hear everything. Um, I, I remember coming out of that performance of Les Mis and going, that is a really different audience to what is normally in the theatre watching opera. However, there are schemes now that we've got sort of young audience schemes and accessible audience schemes where we're opening up and allowing people to be able to express themselves Mm -hmm. in the audience because I think it's really important. If you want to express yourself, you should express yourself during a show. I know, you know, opera's really quiet. There's some really, really quiet pianissimo bits that, you know, you don't, you want to hear a pin drop in the room but then there's some huge climatic bits where then you can talk so I I do think you know maybe as an industry we need to say you know it's fine to talk you know but just do it at the right moment sometimes oh absolutely I always find uh, I always have when I'm reviewing opera I always have to avoid using the word dreamy 
because when I'm sitting listening to opera, it lets it takes me away from my life, and suddenly I find myself in this uh, other world. Um, and I'm either listening to the music. Um, it, ta- it takes a lot of concentration at opera, though, because you're also looking at the words um, above or below. Uh, and then you've got that situation where you are wanting to see what the, the cast are doing on stage or you want to listen to the music. Um, but I always find that I'm drifting uh, away and I have to get, I, I, I want to close my eyes and listen to the music, but I also have to keep my eyes open and see what's going on on the stage as well. So, do you, do you find that uh, you might look into an audience sometimes and they are concentrating on the on the the sounds? Yeah, I do notice um, on stage it's harder because the lights you can't see. But when I'm doing concerts and stuff, I lots of people read when they come to the opera yes. um, in concert That's halls. Insane. Lots of people um, just close their eyes. It's very it's meditative. It's mindfulness. Yeah. It's amazing for your well being. You know, um, when I go and watch opera or when I, I try and go and see some sort of concert music or even I love musicals, the first five to ten minutes I always get overwhelmed and I am in floods of tears because of the music. Cause it just it I don't know what it does to, it hits me right in the heart, right in the soul, and I cry like a baby, you know, and I don't wow. know what it is, but it's just what happens to me as a person. But I think, you know, um, one thing I say to somebody first time opera, I always say at some point, close your eyes and let yourself float along with that music because you'll never experience anything like it. This this one is looking from the photographs like it's going to be uh, set uh, around the, the years that it was intended to be. Um, sometimes I see them and they're very modern operas. Um, is, is this one quite a classically told version, do you think? Yeah, it's quite classically. It's a little bit updated, so it's it's not too early. Um, but it's very, you know, it's it's a sort of typical, not typical bohème. It's a beautiful bohème. It's honestly, it's a stunning production. My sisters came to watch about three or four weeks ago, and they said it was possibly the most beautiful opera they've ever seen. So uh, they're in for a treat. I tell you that. And how much do you have to? consider your movement on stage uh, versus um, how you're controlling your voice? I, um, I'm i very much a physicalised singer. So for me, the vocals come out of what's happening physically for me, me and for me as a character. Um, it's something that I've always worked on with a coach. Um, and so for me, they're both really, really intertwined. And when I get the physicalization correct, the voice just sings and I don't even have to think about it. It's really, really weird. Um, and then trying to, you know, like when you're in get coaching, you know, trying to do that in a coaching session or in a singing lesson, I find that really hard. But, you know, for example, when I'm on the bed in act four dying, for some reason, my voice goes into that magical ethereal place because mm-hmm. of my physicalization is right. It's, and, and that must be uh, amazing to perform as well as to, to, to watch it being performed. Um, do you then have to remind yourself that you are sat in the middle of a stage on a, on a bed? Is that a weird moment? Yeah, you always have to like, I always say I need like 20% consciousness that I know that, you know, it's about my singing and I can't get too self-indulgent because as soon as you're self-indulgent as an artist, the audience don't like it, they switch off. So you have to have that little awareness in your mind. 
but yeah it is like you kind of check in with yourself and and things things don't go sometimes the way you planned and that's mm-hmm. something that I work on as as a human being in a way because sometimes I think we're conditioned into thinking everything has to go a certain way and actually it's really exciting to see where the evening takes you where the audience takes you what happens with the conductor the orchestra that night your colleagues on stage like Jung Soo went flying in Sandipno on stage wow. during act four and literally I couldn't look at him <laughs> My gosh. And I, I I think when those distractions happen, you then have to make sure that you are positioned where you're supposed to be. And uh, recovery is, I can imagine what recovery might be like. I've seen situations where chaotic things have happened and the audience has just been like, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a, an amazing situation to be in, to be able to the, then uh, the show, and uh, you know, the show must go on from that situation. And I think that's wonderful to to be in that position. Um, I'm really excited to be coming to see this myself. Uh, I'm coming to see this uh, next week when it's at Birmingham Hippodrome. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me about this today. Em. No, thank you for having me. Oh, Hope I'm so excited it. to see it. And the, the the fact it's just there for, for three nights. It's there from the 9th to the 11th of November. Uh, and the Welsh National Opera is actually uh, there all week from, from the 8th to the 12th with three different productions as well. Uh, you can check out uh, wno.org.uk for the details or you can check out birminghamhippodrome.com for the details as well. Go to the What's On sections on there and you'll see the productions uh, listed as well. You've also got a page on Welsh National Opera where I had a peek to find out more about you uh, as well so you can visit uh, Ellen's uh, Ellen's page on there it's E-L-I-N Pritchard P-R-I-T-C-H-A-R-D on there and there's a hyphen if you're looking for the page on there as well Ellen thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me about this today Um, as I said I'm really excited to be coming to see this so it's just wonderful uh, to have the opportunity to chat to you about the production no, thank you for having me and hopefully you'll really enjoy it. It's very Christmassy. It'll get oh, you brilliant. in the mood. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.